Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge. It's me, Dom. I'm back after a week with the plague last week. Uh, I am joined by Toddy, who looked after the show in my absence. Uh, and we got David here as well, because we are chatting some iPhone stuff. Hello. Uh, so yeah, this week we are actually living up to the show's name, which is always nice. So we're going to open with talking about fast charging, uh, because Oppo has revealed its 125 watt mega stupid VOOC fast charging. Uh, and a few other companies are throwing their weight behind 120 watt speeds as well right now. We're then going to neatly segue from talking about fast charging to talking about not charging, with Apple and Samsung looking at just ditching chargers from phone boxes, and uh, we're going to assess the pros and cons of all that. And then finally, at the end, I'm going to talk about the Vivo X50. I've got the X50 Pro right here. Uh, Vivo are one of the big Chinese brands. They don't really do much outside of China, other than a little bit in Southeast Asia and India, but this phone is getting a global launch, so we're going to talk about it and what that means for Vivo. Uh, cool, right, without further ado, let's get into the Oppo fast charging stuff and everything else around it. So, uh, Toddy, you know a lot more about this than me, but I mean, I guess the headline things are basically 125 watt wired charging and I think 65 watt wireless? Yes, so Oppo has had a bunch of, it's kind of been leading the charge on, on pushing the numbers higher and higher with fast charging technology for years now. Um, their own brand stuff is called VOOC charging, and as an extension of that, Super VOOC, uh, the acronym, if you're curious, is a Voltage Open Loop Multi-Step Constant Current Charging. So I'm glad that they truncated <laughs> that down a little bit. Um, but basically what they were showing off uh, today as we recorded this, this actually is um, a swathe of four new chargers. There's no actual products that these chargers have paired with right now. So it's just a case of them saying we have this technology and they did also say directly to us that it is commercially ready. So it is just a case of them building a phone or having a phone ready to go that they can just box these chargers in with and then they can ship. So we might see some of these new fast chargers, flash chargers, super VOOC chargers, they all have varying names. Uh, this year, I'm hoping. Um, as you said, the 125 watt is the top of the line one, the kind of fastest out there. Uh, in their lab testing, that gives you a 4,000 million power battery. It can go from flat to full in 20 minutes, and it can get, I think it's about 41% or something like that in five minutes. So you could get you know most of a day's use in five minutes charging time, which is a bit... Uh, crazy in its own right. Um, they did also show off this 65 watt uh, AirVOOC wireless charger. So they currently already have a phone in the market with 40 watt wireless charging. It's only in China though. Um, but yeah, they're going to be bringing uh, an extension, whatever the currently the Oppo Ace 2 is that device. So maybe another Ace phone that might be a China exclusive, we don't know, um, could also possess 65 watt wireless charging by the year's end. And then they also showed off a couple of little chargers too. They showed off a 110 watt mini flash charger, which it was using the uh, American and Chinese two pin design. So it was incredibly small, about the size of a matchbox, which was really impressive in its own right. And then they also showed off a uh, another even smaller charger that they were like, you could just pop it in your pocket and that's still 50 watts. So all of them are crazy fast chargers. Um, yeah, it was yeah. pretty impressive. Just hoping to see it actually get paired to a product that you can buy soon. I mean, what's always frustrating with those tiny ones, it's like you said, it uses the uh, two pin design. So it's great news for uh, Americans. It's great news for people in uh, China or Japan that use a similar style. Great news if you're in Europe where it's a different design, but also a small two pin solution. 
Uh, the UK has a big, chunky, three-prong <laughs> charger socket. So it doesn't matter how small they can make the brick, it's got to fit this big block of pins on the end. That, I feel like uh, the, we never the, get these. The English plug is, like for me, the most reassuringly like, robust plug in all mm. of the standards they're in. So I, I like our plug, even though it is horrendously cumbersome when it comes to adapters and all sorts. The people I actually feel real, really sorry for must be tech fans in Hong Kong, because um, as part of our colonial history, we, we inflicted the three-prong prong plug on Hong Kong. So they're right next door to China, which is getting these tiny little charging bricks with the two <laughs> pins. Like and then size. they're just like stuck with the yeah, this stupid British system that we, uh, we abandoned them with. Um, in terms of the actual charging speed stuff, I think the 65 watt wireless is in a way more impressive because that's mm. a bigger step up. Because up until now, 40 watt wireless was as good as you got. Obviously, like you said, Oppo itself had that. I think Huawei also had 40 watt. And I, I think Xiaomi, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so we've seen that. But going from 40 to 65 is is a sizable step up, especially because even when you look at in you know the stuff you're getting in devices, uh, the... Obviously, you mentioned the Ace 2 has the fast wireless, but in terms of stuff in the West, it's basically the OnePlus 8 Pro with 30-watt wireless. I think that's the fastest wireless you can buy in the West. So from that to more than double is is a big step forward. Yeah, the, the thing right now with the wireless system is that it's using what Oppo is calling a dual-coil design, which if you can peel off the charger, you can see there are physically two charging coils inside the charger, and they have to be two inside the compatible phone as well. Yep. Uh, they're hoping to get that down to a single-coil design, which still gives you 65 watts, the idea being that um, it's going to be more efficient. They, they currently say this two-coil design is 88% efficient. Okay. Um, and obviously the other thing is heat buildup, which is something that actually... Uh, in, in kind of David's domain is, you know, that was one of the big problems with air power. I think it was having all these coils and the managing not just power delivery, but also heat management between devices mm. and chargers as well. So they are kind of looking at that and addressing that. Um, did and I, also, so, sorry, you go. I was just going to say, did I see right on the Oppo thing that it only hits the 65 watt speed in its vertical orientation? And if it it's would, horizontal, it doesn't. And is that a heat management thing? Uh, that's both a coil placement thing and a heat thing. Okay. Uh, the the charger they're using right now, it uses all sorts of fun bits of tech. So they've like got some sort of 3D printed glass material in there. Um, the main thing they were kind of bigging up, which they weirdly branded as eSports technology, um, <laughs> but it uses, um, as well as a fan, it has a semiconductor cooling system in there no, no, as sorry. well. We're- Esports. I don't know. As in gaming, I, I thought it was weird gaming. when they told me. How I was is like, that okay. related to charging? How could that possibly tie in? <laughs> they just wanted to say fun words, you know. That was, and I, I didn't want to kind of, you know, break their flow. But yeah. Anyway, it's got multiple charge uh, cooling technologies inside that wireless charger in order to allow that. Uh, Oppo's kind of rule of thumb is with the screen off, they don't want their phones to get any hotter than forty degrees C. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something they kind of showcase with the 125 watt charger, which is of course going to be like offer more heat build up. Um, they've added like 10 additional temperature sensors inside the test device between the battery, the charging port, all of those bits together um, in order to make sure that the phone doesn't overheat. Uh, they did also say, you know, we did turn this off to see how quickly we could charge it. And if you don't care about how hot the phone gets, it can charge fully in 13 minutes, which is crazy but then your phone might explode so i'd probably wait a little bit longer and, and still have a phone at the end of it well so that's an interesting one because uh i was going to basically flag next that we've talked mostly about oppo so far because they've shown off this 125 watt but this week we've seen um vivo's iku sub brand uh also show off 120 watt 
so mm. slightly lower wattage charging. Uh, Vivo actually announced it had 120 watt last summer. It just never put it in a device yet. Uh, so Vivo showing off through Eco that it has that working now and consumer ready. And there's a Xiaomi device that's gone into certification that has 120 watt charging as well. So we clearly other brands are ready with the same tech and we're going to see it rolling out. But the Eco one is interesting because that's 120 watt, not 125. But they're boasting charging the same capacity battery in 15 minutes to full which is faster than Oppo's saying. Hmm. And you have to wonder how much that comes down to the heat management question. <laughs> yeah, maybe Are they, they letting the it get hotter <laughs> to hit that timing? Yeah. I mean, these, all these figures as well, everything I've said, plus I presume everything that e, the Eku brand is offering is, is under test condition because I can't oh, sure. imagine that they would willingly put a phone out that gets much hotter than 40 degrees. No, I think it's all proof of concept and, and the, the final things will be a little different. There must be huge variability in these things as well. I mean, it must be mm. massively subjective. When you say how long it takes, that depends on um, umpteen other factors. And so they, yeah. there must be a degree of sort of marketing vagueness here. Oh, oh for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when, we're, when we're reviewing this stuff, we always do our own charging speed tests. And you always end up in the ballpark of the number they've said. But I've never been bang on with what they've said. And, and sometimes you get a faster number than what they're advertising. Uh, I, you know, I've done charging tests where I've charged something up faster than, than they've claimed I would hit, but equally often it's, it runs a little bit slower. The, the thing I'm also wor- like, kind of worried about, um, they're saying they're using a new battery makeup for this, which makes sense to allow this, this rapid um, charging, but the battery tech they're using, which is a, was it stacked or dual 60 um, battery design, they were saying, you know, that that means it, it can take on charge more efficiently. But in reading around it, I also found that it means it can discharge more quickly and also potentially won't last as long over time. So, mm. you know, what's what good is 125 watt charging in a phone if the phone can't hold charge for more than, you know, four hours, uh, six months down the line, a year down the line? Like it's, it's yeah. a redundant feature at that point. That remains one of the big questions around fast charging. And it's a hard thing for us to test because we never stay on a phone for longer than at best a few months mm. um and it is that question mark around fast charging is it will degrade the battery a bit more and long long-term battery life you know are faster as the race for faster and faster charging just pushing the actual batteries to degrade faster and faster which is probably not a trade-off most people would would make if they if it was laid out to them in those terms i reckon just like most manufacturers now they have to like ensure that pretty much all their phones are hitting a day of use per charge i reckon they're going to try and hit 24 months of use per charge without much degradation and beyond that they probably won't worry about it yeah except for maybe apple <laughs> well that is the question because uh, this, yeah. this is all making me incredibly uh, jealous all these <laughs> i mean I, I, I didn't want to ask the the mean question which is You've yeah, got how, how fast does charging? iphone go <laughs> yeah so in terms of wireless charging iphones are limited to uh, seven and a half watts <laughs> Which compared to 65 is just embarrassing. And the wired charging, um, I think the 11 Pro officially supports 18 watts. Mm, Um, Some people think it it can benefit from going as high as 22 watts. But, of course, the charger you get with the 11 Pro is 12 watts. So then you have to buy a separate charger if you want to get any more than that. So it's it's all a bit depressing. I've got used to the idea that charging takes about a minute per percent so you expect to have to put it on for an hour an hour and a half to go fully charged mm. um and most of the time because I, I do think about how actually useful this stuff is and that's not just me 
trying to be devil's advocate or whatever. Um, most of the time when I'm charging my phone, I, I charge it overnight or I'm sitting at a desk with a wireless charging pad and I just have it on there for most of the day. So it's quite unusual that I desperately need to charge it in, in 10 minutes, in 20 minutes. But I can see that when yeah. you do need to do that, it's really cool. And it's a cool thing to be able to talk about in that same way that you have like the tallest building in the world and they go, well, it's five watts <laughs> chart is five watts faster than the existing fastest charger you can get. But I don't know, as he said, if there's a, if there's um, uh, a payoff where you have to give up longevity of battery life or, I am worried about the uh, heat management aspects of this that you were talking about. Uh, obviously, we used to hear all about air power, and it's never been officially say, stated why they gave up on that project or, or postponed it. But there was a feeling that it was because they were getting really hot and they were worried about things going on fire or exploding or whatever. <laughs> um, so like, I, I would be a bit scared about using this stuff. I think it's really cool to talk about, but is it practical? That's the question I'd ask. Um, one of, one of the ideas that you guys put in my head was it would be nice to maybe have the option of if you have a phone and a charger that both support this super fast charging but you know ultimately it will it will uh reduce the life of the battery or the quality of the battery's kind of charging abilities um over time and you know most of the time you don't need that super fast charging option maybe there's a, a way you could just have it to charge normally and then if you know you're going to need you know i've only got 10 minutes say, I want this to be a fast charging session, and only then will it then use that accelerated charging rate. Because the chargers and the batteries nowadays are smart enough to manage current and charge quite happily across different mm. standards and rates of amperage and wattage and voltage. So uh, I don't see why that couldn't be an option. I mean, I guess in a way that's a nice way to tie us into the next topic I want to talk about today, which is the kind of chargers we're going to get bundled in with phones. Um, which dovetails in with all of this stuff, as we'll get to. But basically, this has come from... There's been a persistent rumor um, over this sort of iPhone rumor cycle that Apple might not put a charger in the box with the iPhone 12, um, and certainly that they're looking at it for future iPhones, whether they bother to put the charging socket in the box with the phone. And that has now been built up. There was then something the other week that Samsung is looking at the same thing. So we've got the two biggest phone manufacturers... Uh, for the West and market, basically looking at the question of whether they want to bother giving consumers a free charger with their phones anymore, or whether they're just going to rely on you already owning one or buying one if you need one. Uh, David can talk about it in a bit more detail from the Apple perspective, but I think the broad strokes of it is basically there's a question of waste. Everyone already has chargers. Uh, and there's also, but then on the flip side, there's questions of compatibility and matching power standards and things like that that make this all more complicated, like we've just been talking about. Uh, David, what's the sort of iPhone situation there? It's looking pretty solid now that there won't be a charger. Um, it's been a rumor for a while. Uh, it actually started off with the earpods. Um, Ming-Chi Kuo, um, a very respected analyst, said, I think it was back in March, uh, he was starting to say that they might not bother with the earpods in the next iPhone 12 box uh, to save on costs. And then people started talking about the charger as well. Um, we've got, um, there's been a 3D render has been released um, of the box insert, not the actual box itself, but the plastic <laughs> bit that goes inside it. Um, and you can see from that, <laughs> I mean, we, we have to work with what we get, um, yeah. but you can see from the shape of it, there isn't anywhere for the charging, you know, the brick, the sort of wall, uh, charge to go um, and there's no room for earphones either 
So it's looking like it'll just be the iPhone 12, a little square cardboard thing for the stickers and the you know guarantees and all the rest of it, uh, and and a lightning cable. So there is a little circular uh, place for that to go. And as you as you were alluded to there as well, um, there's been a survey that Apple was putting out to some of its customers, asking them, uh, "Have you got any chargers at home? Uh, do you use them? Do they still work?" And there's there is literally no reason why they would not put that survey out there if they weren't at least exploring the idea of not putting a charger in the box. Yeah. I think it's Apple are the company it makes the most sense for because in a perverse way they have been so unaggressive about fast charging that, you know, if you have an old iPhone charger, it would probably get you the same speeds or similar speeds to what charger they would have given you anyway, right? That is not going to be a huge difference there. Um, and because charging speeds has never really been something they've pushed or marketed as part of an iPhone selling point. So people really won't feel that they're the average iPhone buyer won't feel that they're missing out anything if they get told, I'll oh, just use the charger from your last iPhone. People won't stop and think, hang on, no, but that's a slow charger. I don't want to use that. Whereas on the Android side, at least there's a chunk of the, the, the Android market who would immediately go, well, hang on, no, my last charger was slower than the one that this phone supports. And if you're switching between Android brands, that gets really, really messy really quickly because not everyone uses charging the same charging standards. That is an interesting aspect of it that hadn't even occurred to me because as an iPhone user, I just think of them as just iPhone chargers. It's been, it's been mm-hmm. five watts um, pretty much since day one. And then very recently, in the last generation, they started including uh, an 18-watt charger with just the 11 Pro. Um, mm-hmm. There was a rumor that they were going to do a 20-watt charger this year. Somebody spotted uh, a prototype of a 20-watt charger. That which, I mean, again, which after that first segment, 20 watts, what is that? That's biscuits, you know. <laughs> but um, they, there was a rumour, and that's been cruelly plucked away from us. Now people are saying the 20-watt charger will come with an iPad. Again, it's pathetic, but uh, and there won't be a charger at all. So, you, yes, of course, we all have 5-watt chargers at home for our iPhones. We all have 12-watt chargers at home for our iPads, which most of us use for all of our Apple devices. Um, mm-hmm. And as you were saying, it, it it's annoying, right? But it does make sense um, because there are so many of these chargers out there. As you said, they're all compatible with all the devices. Um, and it's costing money to make them. It's creating e-waste when people just leave them in the box or they throw them away. By leaving it out and the earphones as well, they'll be able to redesign uh, the box so it's more um, so it's lighter so they'll be able to save on uh, materials and they'll be able to save on shipping it it makes sense in pretty much every way except if you're the customer and they're saying we're, we're not going to include one thing this year and it's going to cost the same or it's going to cost even more mm-hmm. you're going to be annoyed because it's the principle of the thing Dom you mentioned you know saving on the bill of materials or whatever it was um, this is I wonder whether we're going to see the saving passed on. Probably not within Apple's ranks. I also would doubt even Samsung would do do that either. Um, uh, the other thing that I kind of really liked is that, you know, Apple's been pretty much against adding a fast charger to the box. This last generation, it's finally conceded. And then that clearly proved to be the straw that broke the camel's back. And they're like, nope, no chargers now. That's it. Yep. Done. <laughs> no more chargers for any of you. Um, uh, and then to your point, David, about the boxes, 
you know, I think the unboxing experience was something that kind of was born out of Apple packaging design and product like product packaging design in terms of what popularized that trend of unboxing videos and, and all of this. And I think there's going to be a whole new wave of excitement around these super thin iPhone boxes that are coming out, which is the phone and a cable in it. I'm just waiting for that to to cover the internet come presumably this year's iPhones. One leaker said that the box is going to be exquisite, which is, <laughs> which is the most ridiculous thing. I don't I've doubt it. I can't wait. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I think in general, I am a fan of this. I think just if only from the eco perspective, I think there was a stat that... Uh, because the, the EU has been pushing for this, and I think one of the stats the EU had is that it's something like 50,000 metric tons of waste a year from phone chargers, or maybe chargers in general for other devices. But, you know, this is a huge amount of waste that's been generated, and most people do just get it and replace their old charger with the new one, even if they're actually the same. You know, think about how many iPhone chargers have been binned because someone got a new one that is the exact same 5-watt charger, um, but they kept the new one because it's the one that came with a new phone. And I think it then, in terms of what we were talking about before, on the Android side, it maybe puts people in an interesting place where you buy a new phone, it doesn't have a charger with it, so you use the old charger you've got lying around. If you are someone who cares about fast charging, if you're enthusiastic about that, if you're aware, you can go and buy one. And you can go and buy the fast charger that you want to get the benefit of that perk. And if you're someone who doesn't care because you charge your phone overnight and so it doesn't matter to you, you don't buy one. And you're not paying the extra for that tech to be included with it. Um, and it just puts it back in the space where essentially wireless chargers have been since they were introduced, right? Where they're, they're an extra, they're a luxury. If you want wireless charging, you pay extra for it. It's, in, you know, the features in the phone, but you go buy the wireless charger. And maybe that's where essentially this will put fast charging. If you want fast charging, you go buy a fast charger. Otherwise, you use whatever USB-C plug you've got lying around because we've all got 10 of them. Yeah, that does make sense. Some people have said that it would be nice if they put like um, a coupon in the box. I don't know, coupons not really the word we use anymore. But if mm-hmm. they said, we will we will let you buy one, you know, as a sort of, as an add-on. So it, to show that they're not doing it for the money. Yeah. Um, which is a little bit of a perception that we're yeah, starting totally. to get about Apple is is the sort of, um, one, one of our colleagues, Martin Cassidy, wrote an article for Macworld recently where he, I think the phrase he used was that Apple is simultaneously too expensive and too cheap. And <laughs> there's this sort of real sense recently that they're nickel and diming on everything. They're doing their best. It's all, you know, the dongles and the adapters and all this sort of stuff is that they're the really wheels. looking for. Yeah. And it's like, come on, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to do this. You're already charging, you know, a thousand pounds for the phone. Please don't. They're very aggressive with me. their margins. Yeah. I mean, very, this is what you aggressive. get when you put a logistical pragmatist in charge of the company. Tim Tim Cook yeah. is a genius, but he's always he's he's developed a corporate culture, I think, where they're always looking uh, where's the place where we can save twenty dollars. You know, there's this old story. I don't know if this is true, but this this guy that was heralded as a business genius who went to a company and said you're putting too many olives in these in these jars. Why don't you leave one <laughs> olive out of each jar? And then he saves them a million dollars a year. <laughs> and they've become that company. They, they've yeah. sort of said, why don't you leave out the charger? That's $20 that we can save. And yeah. there's a bit of goodwill you're going to leave on the table if you do that. So mm. I don't know. But like I said, I think they're the company that can get away with it because the average Apple user already has a charger and doesn't know about fast charging or doesn't care about it. What will be interesting for me is if and when 
we do see that kind of adoption on the Android side. Like I said, Samsung's reportedly looking at it. But in a way, Samsung's the Apple of the Android space. They're in that same bucket where a lot of people will stick with the Samsung every year and it will attract more the average buyer who doesn't necessarily know about charging speeds. But brands like Oppo and Huawei and Xiaomi are often marketing around their charging. They have their own proprietary standards, um, as you know, we were just talking about with Oppo's SuperVoot versus Iku's whatever and Xiaomi's whatever. Uh, OnePlus is warp charge. They've all got their different standards and they just don't play nicely together. But they market around this stuff. So if they give that up and say, we're not going to include this charger with the box or we're going to move to a universal charging standard so that you can buy one charger off the shelf and it'll work with our phone or any competitors, they're leaving something on the table that they've already put billions into R&D of. Whereas Apple clearly hasn't done a lot of charging R&D in the same way at least. If you're curious about how like the market might react once this actually goes into effect, assuming it does, you know, across the board, domino effects say kicked off by Apple. Um, in the UK, people might remember that in I think it was like 2015 or a few years back anyway, O2 um, as part of their Think Big initiative, they actually started selling phones without the chargers in the box. Yep. So they were actively, you know, buying units without without chargers and. I think that was maybe more of an information thing. People didn't know initially. And mm. so it annoyed a lot of people. Um, and I'm curious how the messaging around a move like this is going to be in terms of informing people and, and how they're justifying it to the consumer. Yeah. Well, Apple are the best at messaging. I mean, if, if, if messaging was the product, they'd easily be the best. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, 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 if I had to predict what will happen is that they'll do a terrific job of explaining it to consumers and they will be roundly mocked by everybody on Twitter, but they won't care about that. <laughs> yep. it'll, be, it'll be the courage thing all over again. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, as you said, Samsung will follow them. A few other people will follow them. It'll become the standard. They'll be the ones that get the flack for it, but it'll probably become the standard, for at least for certain brands, maybe not, as you said, for some of yep. the people that have pushed the, uh, the fast charging technologies. But I, I think they'll get away with it. It's, it is annoying. They'll, you know, people will complain about it. They'll probably still buy the phones. So. I think yeah. they'll be all right. And I think they'll they'll be able to leverage the, the environmentally friendly part of it as, as the marketing and the message behind it that people will uh, get on board with for the most part. Um, I just It just occurred to me as we were talking about it, maybe what we'll actually see on the Android side is essentially we maybe won't see this really happen with the flagships, at least not for a long time, but maybe the budget and mid-range devices where charging speeds are less of a priority and where actually the margins are more important so that that $20 charger in the box with a $200 phone is a big chunk of the bill of, bill of materials in a way that it isn't for a $1,000 phone. So maybe we'll see that kind of the cheap devices stop shipping with it once it becomes more accepted. Um, well, yeah, the, at the budget end, there is there is a, sl- a sort of precedent with Apple, which is that the Apple Watch Series 3, if you get the non-cellular version, then you don't get yeah. you don't get a wall charger, you just get the wire. But they've they've played that totally differently because so that's right at the bottom of the Apple Watch range. They don't really tell you um, about mm. that, and people don't really realise, and they get a bit annoyed, whatever. Um, but they've just played it quiet, and and so therefore there hasn't been a fuss. They won't be able to do that with the iPhone 12 because it will be scrutinised to a level never seen before. So it's like two different things. It's like you get the cheap one, yeah, you can quietly not include all the accessories, but with a flagship, you have to say this is a message. You know, this is an ecological decision. Uh, and yep. we're doing it publicly and we're going to tell you all about it. 
Yeah, well, I guess we will find out for sure uh, soon enough. If Samsung are doing it, it may happen with the Note 20s, which we are seeing probably in early August, uh, uh, 5th August, uh, Galaxy Unpacked. And uh, if Apple are doing it, it will be, I guess, September or maybe maybe a little later this year with for the iPhone 12. So we'll know soon enough which way this is going to go. I think it will take a long time to trickle through the Android market like we were talking about. But uh, yeah, I think this is broadly a good change. Last up, uh, the Vivo X50 series. So Vivo, I, I can tell David will be like, have no idea what who or what a Vivo is. Uh, very much in the sort of like space of if you're in the West, you'll only know about them if you're a phone nerd. Uh, but they are a fairly big uh, phone brand in China. And they've been expanding into sort of Indonesia and the Philippines and India and markets like that. But with the X50 series, I've got the X50 Pro right here. They are finally making a move to a global launch, which will have been announced this morning as you are watching this. Um, I should caveat global doesn't include the US and global does include Europe, but they kind of talked big about Europe and have then quietly admitted it's basically just kind of Russia and the Ukraine and, and bits of Eastern Europe. So it's still not in the West. It's still not in the West. Uh, no Western Europe and no US release as far as I'm aware. But I think this is a big sign of Vivo's intentions. It is spreading out and it is wanting to follow in the footsteps of Oppo and Huawei and Xiaomi and get a piece of that Western market that it's so far ignored until now. And yeah, I think of a, of a, as a phone range to do it with, the X50 is an interesting one. There are three of them, the X50, the X50 Pro I've got here, and then a bigger X50 Pro Plus um, actually, I'm not sure it's bigger. It's more expensive. The Pro Plus is not coming out globally. They've kept that for China. But the X50 and X50 Pro are a little more mid-range. They both run on the Snapdragon 765, whereas the Plus is on an 865. Um, they are 90 hertz refresh rate displays, whereas, again, the Plus is 120 hertz. That's that step up further. Um, they've got nice screens. They're, they're, they're pretty. They are. It's curved on the Pro, but flat on the regular, things like that. But the big selling point for them is the camera setup on the back. Weirdly, not on the regular X50, which just has a kind of solid camera. But the X50 Pro is all in on camera. And for a phone that we're expecting to be basically around, based on the Chinese pricing, it's kind of in the $500, $600 range, based on conversions and all that, obviously. It's a really interesting camera setup. Uh, the Basically, the two headline things are it has a five times optical periscope lens that goes up to 60 times hybrid zoom. And it has a 48 megapixel main lens with the gimbal stabilization that they showed off in the Apex range earlier this year. Uh, the Apex concept phone, I should say. So this is the first set of actual phones they put in with this gimbal stabilization. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do a good job of explaining what a gimbal is. Toddy actually probably could do a better job uh, than me of this. Put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> a gimbal is basically a rig or system that you can put around a camera sensor uh, or a whole camera, depending on the scale we're talking about, to basically allow it to remain as fixed to a point in 3D space as possible whilst you move around it. And then obviously you can lock off certain axes uh, and move around the space and just keep it nice and smooth. It's kind of what you see if you ever see those like Hollywood cameras with the big arms and the camera on the end and it's moving around of its own accord and they're going over bumps and it's nice and smooth. That's mm -hmm. what it is. In a smartphone, obviously, they're shrinking that technology down <laughs> to varying magnitudes um but yeah so that's that's my definition of a gimbal i hope any any camera nerds haven't just absolutely seen through <laughs> <I think laughs> the that's facade a pretty, yeah. 
That's on the same level I'm on. That's a good, like, low-level summary. That's about as good as I could get it. Um, But yeah, what it essentially means is that the camera will actually move around within the phone because it is moving the camera to keep it steady to what you're shooting. Um, It also has um, electronic and optical image stabilizations. You're getting all of that combined. Um, I've gone out and had to play with it so far, and and hopefully we'll have some samples to, to cut in now. But it seems pretty steady, just doing a sort of simple walking down the street and filming as I go. It is really impressively steady, and, and anyone who's watched my unboxing videos know that I am a, a shaky-handed man as a result of um, consistent over-caffeination. So anything that can stabilize my video, I'm going to be impressed by. And yeah, this does a good job. What I think is maybe a hard sell there is the fact that video stabilization is definitely getting niche and nerdy, right? That's not really a mainstream sell. I don't even think that many people... I don't think that many people would know what a gimbal is. I don't think people would, that many people would care about how stable their video footage is. I don't think that's the thing most people are worrying about. So as a way to hit a mass market global launch, it in a way feels like an odd thing because the main pitch of the phone is something that you would really struggle to communicate to the average consumer. So it's definitely hitting the more phone nerdy segment of the market. In terms of an angle to take... Uh, video gimbal stabilization sounds cooler and, and looks cool in those visualizations in like the trailers and whatnot. Um, from a practical standpoint, I you know Android has kind of always lagged behind. Android devices have always lagged behind the iPhone in terms of being like video quality. So it's not explicitly stabilization, mm-hmm. but actual you know bit rate and just general image and picture quality. What's produced. Um, uh, that's really what I'd need to see or, or, or know about is whether or not this phone is finally like the answer to Apple's video encoding uh, when it comes to recording video. Because I just think no Android phone has ever really come close enough. No. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I haven't had a deep dive on the camera yet, so I'm not mm. sure. My, my suspicion will be no. I, they're, they're not pushing anything that suggests to me this is going to be the Android phone that fixes that. Uh, and again, a lot of that is processor driven. So I think you're going to always be looking at the eight series phones to to take that step up because on a 765G, it will, you know, it's a very solid chipset, but that's not where you're going to get those big developments in, in bitrate and encoding and stuff like that. So in terms of a device that's maybe, you know, that you might be more familiar with, this is kind of an equivalent to the, the standard Oppo Find X2 or maybe the iPhone 11, kind of that level. Yeah, it's probably in that space. I think it should run a little bit cheaper than both of those, but it is a 765, not an 865. I think the regular Find X2 is an 865, unless I'm getting muddled up. Um, Right. But, you know, yeah, it's in that, like, upper mid-range. I think probably the closest comparison would be the LG Velvet, which is the same chipset, and also in that space where it's an upper mid-range. It's not top, 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 but it's trying to find that space between a £500 phone and a £1,000 phone where it's giving you some of those high-end features and a design that I think is very nice and premium and feels very nice. It's a frosted glass back. It's got the curved edges. It's quite Huawei. (laughs) It is a bit Huawei, but a bit subtler. Like, it's not a sort of garish finish. Um, I like the Huawei garish finishes, but this is is a bit Mm. more, um, you know, discreet. One thing I like, this probably won't show up on the webcam at all, but maybe we'll cut an image, but there's a sort of stepping to the camera module, which I think is to reflect the fact that the, the gimbal takes up a lot of space and makes the main module sit up, um, but they've actually then stepped down a level for the periscope lens so that it sits one step closer to flush, and then it goes flush to the body, which makes the whole camera module feel smaller in a subtle way. And I know it doesn't really make a difference, but it just your perception of the size of the camera module 
does does it feel heavier than your average phone at that display size like or, or is it unnoticeable no it, it feels pretty lightweight and actually it's worth saying it's very thin so this is an eight millimeter thick phone the pro and if you go for the regular x50 it's 7.6 millimeters Wow. which at the time they announced it was the thinnest 5G phone on the market. Mm-hmm. I have a really, I have a feeling, I can't remember which way it went around, but basically two phones got announced within a couple of days and each claimed to be the thinnest. And one just like came out two days after the other one and was slightly thinner. So I can't the, remember if this the, was the thinner one or the first one. The Find X2 Neo was first. And That's then it. I had a briefing and they were like, yeah, we, we were for a brief time. We did have the thinnest like 5G two days. phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Vivo came along and knocked them out. So yep. that, that, that base um, model X50 is, I guess, still the thinnest 5G phone as far as I'm aware. I think it must be. I'm not aware of any coming out since. Um, nice. So, yeah, 7.6 millimeters thin on, on the main one, which is very, very slim. Even for, even for a non-5G phone, that's a very, very slender device. So these are slim. They all feel like, wait, um, the big caveat I have for this, actually hardware-wise, I've been super impressed by this. The downside is the software. Uh, Vivo uses an Android skin called Fun Touch OS. Uh, I hate the name, but uh, it is not fun to touch. It is <laughs> a horrible piece of software. It is, for my money, the worst skin on the market right now of all the ones I've tried. Uh, we've seen Huawei and Oppo really improve the software they put on their phones. Vivo is just clearly lagging behind there. Um, it's not very attractive. It as it has that kind of aggressive battery management that you have to go and manually turn off for different apps that just means I don't get notifications for stuff because it's throttling everything in the background to try and maintain performance. So I don't see WhatsApp notifications until I go and open WhatsApp to check for notifications and things like that. Um, and the thing that annoys me the most, it's got that common uh, uh, thing from a lot of Chinese brands now where the lock screen will cycle through wallpapers they've picked out. You know, nice, pretty photographs are nice, but I wanted to replace that with one of my shots. So I went and I dug through settings. It was weirdly complicated to do, but I managed to turn off their wallpapers and just replace it with one of my photographs to be on my lock screen. And now, once every couple days, I get a little pop-up prompt saying, you turned off our pretty wallpapers. Don't you want to turn them back on? You've, you've missed out on these beautiful wallpapers we made for you. And I have to keep saying, no, I don't want that. It's interesting um, when you talk to these companies and the, and the people when they when they especially when they move into a new market like you know outside of if they've just been in China for example uh, how many tweaks and changes they have to make. It was one that uh, when I met the Pocophone guys when they were launching their first device mm. um, and they basically had to kind of start afresh with the user experience pulling away from Xiaomi's Chinese build of my UI because they were like the Western tastes the global tastes are so different. Um, in terms of what people are looking for in a user experience. Yeah. So yeah, stuff like that would rile, I think. Yeah, would rile me right up. I essentially think more and more that that's the secret to OnePlus's success, is they're building phones on on the Chinese pricing model in terms of hardware, which is very aggressive and lots of specs are low price and, and all of that. But they built Oxygen OS from the ground up for a Western taste. So they're not trying to retrofit it to feel to, to appeal to Westerners, which is what Huawei and, and Oppo and Xiaomi are all doing. And they're having to actually run separate versions of, the, of their OS for different markets. OnePlus just from the ground up said, we're building this for a Western audience from a software perspective. And, and you can tell. Um, yeah, so Vivo are not, are not there yet. And that's something they're going to have to improve if they are looking at proper global rollout 
but you know like like we said all of these brands have gone through the same the same teething problems um oppo's uh i can't remember the name of oppo's android skin now it's gone out of my head color OS. um color os used to be awful even just a couple of years ago yeah. it was unbearable to use and it's come on leaps and bounds and that's been driven by the fact that they now release phones regularly in western europe so just they have been forced to improve their software at least from a, to a european palette um so hopefully vivo are now going to roll out more I, i've i've enjoyed the vivo phones i've tried before from a hardware perspective and they're particularly aggressive on camera stuff um they're also their apex concept stuff they've they've pushed some interesting things around things like large in-screen fingerprint sensors um and very very curvy displays and stuff like that so hardware wise they are one of the companies in china that is really pushing the bounds no and really exploring the limits yeah yeah so the, the apex 2019 no ports no buttons just wrap around display uh wireless charging um it, it's amazing what they've been able to do they whoa, just whoa, 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 whoa. no ports <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was a concept device to be fair it didn't this was not a thing they sold it did work though yeah um so yeah. it did i said wireless charging it wasn't actually wireless it had the like uh magnetic pins on the back yeah like contact for, for charging pins. yeah, yeah. Um, which was, or I always thought was a bit odd that they went for that, not wireless. But yeah, there was no USB port and there were no buttons. It was just pressure sensitive spots on the chassis. Uh, I'm living a dream. Which right is now. That's amazing. Super cool. I'm very, sending very you a sci-fi. link right now, David, so you can read about it. We, we actually went hands on with the phone. Yeah, just this incredible slab of glass and metal, uh, completely uninterrupted. But yeah, they're a cool hard, they're a cool hardware company. They just haven't got their software ready for a global market but i think the the reality is the market will force them to do that it's interesting that this is the time that they're looking to push in um because some people might remember but the 2018 world cup they were actually one of the principal sponsors and really? no one knew who they were yeah yeah when they yeah. had the um the i can't remember which one it was the first phone with an in display the next s was it um i think that was the yeah. first kind of commercially ready and, and so that phone was like the official phone of the world cup 2020 despite i think at the time only really being available in china yes so, so yeah you might know the name without knowing why you know the name if you're a <laughs> football fan um but yeah it definitely does feel like they're, they're doing this a year late with, mm. with all the huawei stuff you know there was a good chance for them to move in and, and the oppo and xiaomi definitely both capitalized on and vivo i guess just that they weren't as close to it as those companies were they didn't have the same foothold in india maybe and so they just weren't ready to make that jump to europe yet and so they are they are running behind and playing catch up but yeah i'm 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 hopeful more competition is is a good thing as far as i'm concerned so yeah cool um that is us for this week then i guess we'll be back next week uh i can say with some confidence that we'll be talking about a certain scandinavian themed phone that i have sitting near me off camera and i'm not allowed to show any of you right now we will also probably be looking at the lenovo legion which is a gaming phone that is i think expected to launch next week and i feel like there's another launch next week but uh it's escaping my head right now but we'll see. So we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you everyone for watching. Thanks, David and Toddy, for joining me. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, you know, as always, jump in the comments. Let us know if you've got any questions. Bye, everyone.